Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and you're listening to episode number 48 of this ongoing podcast series that is for the love of movies, and that is especially true with today's episode. Not only am I going to be talking about a movie that I recently saw and enjoyed thoroughly, but also this weekend, on Sunday, it is the big day. Celebration of cinema, celebration of all things movies, truly a celebration that is for the love of movies. Yes, of course, I'm talking about the Oscars, and I have a few thoughts on some of this year's uh, nominations and nominees, so share with you uh, my thoughts on, on that in just a few moments. But as always, want to thank you for tuning in each week and listening to what I have to say on movies. You've heard me say this once. You've probably heard me say it almost 50 times at this point. But this is a passion project for me. It will continue to be a passion project for me. But the support and encouragement from you, the listeners, has just made it all the more worthwhile and, frankly, enjoyable. So from the bottom of my heart, as always, thank you for tuning in each week. Thank you for listening. And thank you for for the camaraderie. Thank you for the friendships along the way. This has been an incredible, fun, and exciting ride doing this podcast. I love doing it, and I'm going to keep on doing it as long as my voice will let me. I've got plenty of tea <laughs> on, on on standby, so hopefully my voice will, uh, will hang in there. But uh, it, in all seriousness, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. You guys truly are the best. So thank you, thank you, and thank you. Okay, moving on before we uh, start with the main topics for today's show, just a little bit more housekeeping to go through. If you have not done so already, this would be a great opportunity to rate and review this podcast, as well as to share it with uh, family, friends, neighbors, anybody who you think might enjoy listening to a fellow movie buff go on and on, perhaps too long at certain points, over his love of movies and cinema. Again, to uh, to paraphrase Michael Keaton's Batman, I want you to tell all your friends about this podcast. All right, there we go. I got it, I got it out of my system for today's episode. But uh any event, certainly do appreciate any uh, any shares and, and, and recommendations of this show. Goes a long way in, in helping continue to grow this uh, this audience. And and on that note, on the uh, on the Batman note, on the uh, on the DC Comics note, want to share with you guys some exciting news. Uh, this has been been a project that's been in the works for uh, a little bit now, and I I haven't wanted to say anything because we've been uh, we've been working behind the scenes and 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 trying to get it ready to go. But uh, We've uh, we've just recorded our first episode, and and so it's uh, in the can, so to speak. And uh, now seems like a good time to uh, share this news uh, with all of you. So as I said, everyone knows I'm a, I'm a big Batman fan, big DC fan, and so I'm I'm excited to announce that I'm co-hosting a new podcast show with. Uh, two of my friends, Chris Evans and Anthony Caruso. Uh, you'll remember they were on the show a couple weeks back uh, when we were talking about one of our favorite horror movie franchises, Halloween. So the three of us uh, got together and, and decided now would be a good time with all these exciting 
projects and developments for DC on film. Now would be a great opportunity uh, for us, uh, us three fans to uh, get together and, and really just uh, discuss all things DC. So we'll be talking about movies past and present, speculating on where the, the, the uh, announced projects will go, casting the work. So it's going to be a, an all things DC podcast. It's called DC Unlimited. I will leave all of the uh, uh, information in the show notes. So I'd, uh, I'd graciously ask if you would uh, follow along and, and support the show. We'll be dropping an episode next Friday. And the plan is to do a, a show at least uh, twice a month. So that's uh, that's on the docket. And uh, just wanted to share that with you. So uh, if, uh, if you haven't had your fill of me, uh, you can uh, certainly tune in to this other podcast, which will be focused entirely on all things DC. And uh, even better yet, you won't have to listen to my voice all of the time because uh, I've got two, uh, two great friends on it with me. And, and we just had an absolute blast uh, in all seriousness. It was a great, a great time just sort of uh, talking about the movies and, and our love for for the genre and and for the characters, especially Batman. So uh, it was a lot of fun and uh, definitely uh, look for that if that is something that uh, that piques your interest. But uh, I'll be uh, keeping you uh, up to date as uh, as things develop. So that's what's new uh, on uh, on uh, on my uh, on my end. Uh, we'll be keeping you up to date uh, in terms of that project as well as other projects. Uh, specifically related to this show. I've uh, teased throughout the last couple of months that there would be some new developments for this this podcast over the year, and uh, I'm actually working on something right now uh, for this show as well. So uh, stay tuned on, on that front. Uh, uh, only good things, only good things. Uh, so uh, I, hope, uh, I hope you will uh, stay tuned for uh, what is uh, coming down the pike. But uh, in any event... Let's get on now with the main topic of today's show. As I uh, hinted at the start, it's going to be sharing my thoughts on the Oscars, specifically some of this year's nominees and, and, and nominations for Best Picture. Uh, but uh, to start off, going to talk about a movie that I recently saw, and it was an absolute blast. And it, and it was the, the type of movie that... You can only dream of in a lot of ways, and I mean that in the best possible way. A, a movie worthy of of the description movie, a movie that is meant to be seen in a theater, a movie that instills what we what we go to the movies for, which is escapism, to be captivated by a story, by a situation, and just be invested in that particular world for an hour and a half, two hours, and. The movie I am talking about is Cocaine Bear. Now, I know what you're you're probably thinking right now, okay. Phil, what what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what, what 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 are you on right now? No. Uh I I'm being serious. Uh for those of you who um may may not uh, uh have have known, there is a new movie out right now called Cocaine Bear and it is as advertised, it is a rip-roaring, hilarious, blood-soaked, horror-slash-comedy film about what the title suggests, a, a bear on cocaine. 
And as I said just a few moments ago, this is why I love going to the movies. This is why I love movies in general because not everything – and I'm going to get a little uh, – a little into the weeds, so to speak. I'll try not to be preachy, and if I, if I do come across as preachy, I do apologize. But this is what movies are really all about. A movie, I think sometimes we have these preconceived notions that, that movies should have to teach us, should try to teach us something, or should try to shine a light on a part of the human condition, that there should be some kind of a philosophical point at the end of the experience. And that is all noted. That is all important. And I think there are movies that can do both. I think there are movies that can be both entertaining and also deliver a, a message or a, a point at the end of, of the viewing. But sometimes we don't want to go into a movie that shines a light on ourselves or shines a light on society or is trying to hit home a, a familiar theme that we may have seen played over and over again. I'm thinking, you know, the classic trope of good versus evil. Sometimes, you know, we all want that. And I, and I think it's important to have uh, a wide and diverse cinematic palette, if you will. You know, I, I always say, you know, you, you don't want to just live on a on Marvel, uh, uh, on Marvel comic movies. Now, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I, I've, as I've said, I'm more of a, a, a DC guy, so um, you know that probably doesn't apply in my case. But but the argument does extend. You know, in the case of, you don't want to have too much of one thing. You have to be, you have to diversify your your cinematic taste, your cinematic palette. I think again. Every, you know, to each his own. But I, I think it's important to experience a wide array of different movies and stories and, and, and filmmaking crafts and techniques because that's all part of the experience. It's a wonderful, wonderful medium. And you can, you can utilize it to tell such creative and, and open-ended and, and, frankly, fascinating stories that can cover a wide array of emotions and stories across languages across barriers and so that's you know that's always how i try to to look at it but in the case of cone uh, cocaine bear uh, to sort of tie it back to point this is a movie that that is as advertised you're not going to get a a a message on the human condition about this movie this movie is not trying to instill some environmentalism uh, or envi environmentalism message, though I suppose you could argue that. Now, that's probably getting way too into, into the weeds, but at at its core, at its at its base, th this movie is as advertised. A bear in just cocaine gets a gets a fix for it and goes on a rampage in 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 the mountains. Now, interestingly enough, I know I'm, I'm sort of laughing to myself even just even just thinking about the whole premise because it is so absurd and, and funny and wild all at once. But this movie is actually based on semi-true events. Now, the movie takes a lot of creative liberties. I, I mean, and I'll preface it by saying this is something, you know, if you want to do do some uh, uh, do some research on this a, a wide array of 
of articles and 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 uh, websites you can find on the internet that document this incredible crazy tale and interestingly the the background for it is in the mid 1980s uh, there was a a, a a cargo plane carrying a large amount of cocaine over the continental United States and in an effort to get rid of the cocaine the uh, the drug dealer for all intents and purposes threw the the bags out of the plane and was scattered all over all over the mountains of of Georgia and while he was trying to eject from the plane he ended up uh, ended up ended up dying in the fall and the bags of cocaine were never recovered now interestingly this is where it gets uh so crazy to, uh, it, it's almost impossible to believe but it is there was a a a bear in the woods that stumbled upon this the, these bags of cocaine apparently and did ingest the bags. Now there's no uh, there's no evidence to suggest that the bear went on a rampage or or, or went a went on a killing spree because of the cocaine. But uh, you know, needless to say, you know the the, the tabloids uh, have have run with this story for years. But you know, like anything, there is a kernel of truth somewhere in in the background so uh in this particular case truth uh truth was stranger than fiction so the movie itself takes on the premise uh, of of the cocaine bear and weaves a brilliant and and funny story that pits all of these different people from all walks of life you've got a you've got a park ranger you've got a concerned mom trying to find her daughter and friend. You you've got a a drug dealer's son and, and a drug dealer's right hand man trying to find the bags of cocaine. You you've got these these band of of bullies that that are wandering through the woods. I mean it's it's sort of a a a, a weird meetup of of all these different people who in, who in any other circumstance would never cross paths because they come from very different backgrounds and all in, in different walks of life but yet they are sort of all you know meet at this intersection of the of, of the cocaine bear and it, it's a movie where you think about it like okay this could either be really really entertaining or it could be a, a, a complete shit show and and fortunately fortunately it was the former not the latter and it is a movie that is that is both entertaining, it is both funny, and as I said at the start, it's why we like to go to the movies. It's why I like to go to the movies because there is something there is something enjoyable about going into the theater, get your popcorn bucket, and you are just transported into this world. Now the film is set during the nineteen eighties, so it's like nineteen eighty five, nineteen eighty six. So you've already got a time period. Uh, and so it's really a, a kind of a, a, an odd love letter, if you will, to that point in, in history. So you've got musical references, uh, clothing references, there's sort of the look to the film. It has a very 80s, a B-movie vibe to it. And, and it just, it works. Uh, it's directed by Elizabeth Banks. And I mean, she, she killed it. She absolutely killed it. And it's never a movie that, that, kind of goes overboard, if you will, because it's a movie that if you didn't strike the right balance, <laughs> you could 
be playing it for 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 straight laughs and yet the film is able to balance the humor and the horror with with such finesse that you really are entertained from the moment the film starts to the moment that the credits roll and, and i think part of it stems from just the the, the, the crazy premise a a bear high on cocaine going through the woods chasing tourists and, and and killing them i mean like it, it's one of those movies where it's like okay are we going to get sharknado or are we going to get something a little more serious and, and as i said fortunately we go more on the serious side but it, but it's never afraid to embrace the kind of wild and, and zany aspect of of the story i mean you've got a bear that's on cocaine and so Part of the film really deals with seeing the bear and seeing how the bear reacts to it, and and you're you're just you buy it, you're invested in it because you've immediately committed to the premise. And I think what what really sold this movie for me was the start of it because it could have been a situation where it sort of went in in you know chronological order where. The, the the drug uh, the drug deal goes down uh, so to speak and we follow the film in sequence well the movie starts off with these two um, uh, two hikers in the woods and right off the bat you know they're they're just sort of living in nature loving it soaking it all up and yet they stumble upon the bear or the bear stumbles upon them and they decide to photograph it. And yet, when they're taking pictures, they discover the bear is acting a little strange. It's it's not acting like how a bear should act. And it's in this scene where you have both the humor and then the horror, because once the bear sees them, the bear turns. And it, it brought to mind the opening of Jaws. Not that the opening of Jaws is, is funny uh, in, in a stretch of the imagination, though there are kind of off moments of, of humor that sort of, you know, add to the tension. This reminded me of the opening of Jaws in, in, in some extent because you have a situation with with man in the wild interacting with an animal and, and the animal, you know, it's their turf, it's their kingdom and, and you know, we're just, we're visitors in their kingdom and you see it turn, you see the animal in this case, the bear go after the couple, and and it's and it's a it's a brutal way to start the movie. I mean, you know, blood's everywhere, legs are flying. Like it's a it's a way to say, okay, this movie is is going to be uh, also taking it seriously, and and it pulls you right in. At least for me, it pulled me right in at the start of the film, and from there, it, it's it's really just about kind of building the tension while also layering it with just moments of just outright just just like busta got laughing i mean i mean there were moments i like couldn't i couldn't contain myself it was so funny i mean and again the humor was sort of derived from the incredible stakes of the situation because you have you know man out out in the environment out in the wilderness outside of the comfort zone and so you're you're dealing with the elements you're dealing with the animals and it's the interaction uh kind of you know uh, of two forces of nature colliding. And so right off the bat, you're, you're going to get some incredible moments of humor. There's a, a character 
and, and, and who's the um the park ranger and and she's just a, a riot i mean she she's she's sort of introduced as someone who's like trying to get you know flirty with one of these uh you know park supervisors or uh you know officials and and, and she just can't seem to catch a break because she has to go and help uh, the mother, played by Carrie Russell, uh, find her daughter and friend. And so it's like this, like, you know, the woman can't get a break. And then, of course, the bear shows up and completely screws up her entire her entire plan and, and day. And there's a scene where the bear is has already attacked her. And so she's trying to get help. She's trying to call for, for an ambulance. And there are these these, you know, kind of young punks, uh, you know, bullies, if you will, and they've had an encounter with the drug dealer and they've, you know, been, you know, roughed up a bit and, and, and they're all bruised and, and, uh, and injured. And the woman, the, the park ranger believes that they've been attacked by the bear. And so there's sort of this, you know, odd, like miscommunication conversation where she thinks they're talking about the bear, but they're really talking about the drug dealer's right hand man and how there was this, you know, attack. And it's, it just sort of, it's just sort of that oddball humor, and then of course you know the bear shows up, and you know in the melee the uh, the park ranger ends up shooting one of the uh, one of the one of the kids in the head and blowing his head off. And like it just it, it, it's it's one of those things where again it goes back to it goes back to balance. You're able to sort of you know you know thread the needle with the humor, thread the needle with with the horror and 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 the gore to ultimately create a movie that 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 holds your interest that is that is filled with suspense and that ultimately reaches a a satisfying uh conclusion which uh for for me you know especially being uh, uh being an animal lover uh the, the uh, I I wondered going into this film I said okay you know this you've got a, essentially a killer bear on the loose okay is, is, so is the bear going to meet its uh meet its demise and Okay, spoiler alert if you haven't watched the the movie yet, but the bear the bear does not die. The bear uh, is is saved and and ultimately uh, defends her her cubs and ultimately kind of you know lives quote unquote happily ever after. And so there there is sort of like from an animal standpoint, I'm like okay they did, they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't kill the uh, kill the beast. Uh, so it, it it's sort of it, it's a movie that that works on on many different levels it can appeal to you if you like the horror if you like the blood but it also can appeal to you uh, as a as a comedy and just the most in, uh, absurd of circumstances and yet it it works and i i mentioned earlier that it, it reminded me of, of a b movie and, and i say that with nothing but affection because there are b movies that 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 live up to the name of, of being a B movie. I'm thinking a lot of films, uh, science fiction films in particular from say the 1950s, early 1960s. And yet this is a movie that, that has the vibe, if you will, of a, of a B movie because it's, it's straightforward in its premise, but yet it is, it is shot and, and acted with all the, all the bells and whistles of, of sort of an A movie, if you will, of, of a big budget spectacular, and it just works. It works as a as a as a uh, sort of a oddball uh, love letter to the 1980s. It works as 
sort of a you know man versus his elements man versus the uh, environment story it works as as a man versus as man versus nature it works as a tender comedy it works a, as a sweet story uh with a mother and and her daughter i mean it just it works on so many different levels and as i mentioned at the start sometimes that's all a movie has to do it doesn't have to to deliver a a a major point or or uh, dictate a thesis and then spend two hours trying to rationalize it. it this movie exists entirely to be entertaining and, and sometimes that is important and that is sometimes what we need as i always said you've got to have that balance you can't just have one or or uh the, the other i think a a a good cinematic palette has a has a combination if you will of all different kinds of movies. And I say that as someone who, on one hand, loved a movie like Cocaine Bear, but also loves a, a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I think that kind of gives me a, a good little transition at this moment to talk about what is going on this weekend. And I mentioned at the start, at the start it's the Oscars. Truly a, a day, a night, that is a celebration for the love of movies and I haven't really talked much this this Oscar season about about awards and award shows because uh, honestly it, it's one of those situations where everybody has their favorites everybody has their their preferences and you know sort of kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier but everybody has a, a diverse cinematic palette and very often, I find it's hard to find agreement on on any movie, you know, because everything, you know, something works for someone. Sometimes it doesn't work for somebody else. That's that's the beauty of art. Art is subjective, and and somebody could see one film again. Point in case, Citizen Kane is uh, argued by many to be one of the greatest films ever made. I am in the minority when it comes to that opinion. The film did not work for for me, uh, you know. But but then again, on the on the flip side, you might say a film like Star Wars or or Saving Private Ryan, just to throw two out there, received universal acclaim. So I mean, again, there's it's it, there's it's all you know. Everybody's taste is different. Everybody's opinion is is different. And and frankly, no one opinion is is right or wrong. But that's what makes what makes art and film so great because we can all watch something and have a completely different reaction and form different opinions and then we can discuss it and that's what's so un so unique about it and that's why I, I truly prefer films to you know say say a novel for example because when you're when you're reading a word on a page you know we all have an image in our head and, and granted the image uh, on the page Maybe different to everybody else, but it's hard to argue with the words, so to speak. A movie is much different because even though we're all seeing the same thing on on the screen, the reaction to it can affect us in an entirely different manner. How the music works, how the cinematography is shot, all these little intricate details that sort of 
take something and, and magnify it. And then we can turn around and discuss it and, and either say, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever, or, oh, my God, this was the worst movie ever made. And that's what makes for, I think, at least fun discussions and, and debates, uh, especially among uh, among all you fellow uh, cinephiles out there. But um, in any event, I, I did want to just offer a few uh, a few fleeting thoughts on the Oscar race this weekend. Uh, I will be watching it. Um, you know, it's sort of a a nice celebration to movies. And as I've mentioned before on this show, last year was, and I mean this, underline it, put it on a post-it note. Last year was a hell of a year for movies. I know 2021. People like to say, "Oh, that was the year that movies came back post-COVID." You had or Spider-Man No Way Home, Dune, noted. But 2022, in my humble opinion, this was the year that theaters came back. You think of Top Gun Maverick and, and that being this box office juggernaut. You think of Avatar, The Way of Water. You think of all the different horror films last year, Pearl, X, Barbarian, The Black Phone, Halloween Ends. You think of all the comic book movies, Thor, Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange, The Batman, and then you have films that sort of cross all genres like Everything Everywhere All at Once to beautiful coming-of-age stories like The Fablemans. Just a, a wide array of films and stories that were told last year that really made for a beautiful cinematic canvas. And so I, I really do feel like last year was, was the year that movies came back. So it's only fitting that this year's Oscars really encapsulate that that celebration. And so, you know, again, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, you know I, I don't have a horse in the race. So, uh, you know, these are, these are just my thoughts, my opinions. Uh, but uh, we'll... Uh, I'll give you a give you just a quick rundown in the uh, few moments uh, before I uh, sign off for today's show. But in looking at at the race, and as it, you know, it's it is sort of a strange situation. You know, we kind of uh, celebrate the best of of anything because I mean, ultimately, art is subjective, and it, it is sort of odd and and uh ironic that we ultimately then are going to say well this is the best film or or this person is the best actor or this is person is the best actress and i get it you know when competition ultimately becomes part of the uh part of the show uh it is show business <laughs> after all but uh, it is an odd concept on 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 this uh, when you do think about it but uh, nevertheless you know i i will uh i will play along and uh and, and 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 offer a few a uh, few thoughts. So in in the race for best actor, I, I have to say I've seen every every film or every you know every performance uh, in, in that particular category. And I, I mean just fantastic fantastic performances across the board. To me, there are two that that stand out above all else, and those performances are. Brendan Fraser in The Whale and Austin Butler in Elvis. I would be fine, truthfully, if either one of them won because I think both of them portrayed such transformative characters from from a a an acting level. Both both men brought their A game to these roles. 
Brendan Fraser in The Whale, Austin Butler in Elvis. But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond just were these entertaining performances to watch. In the case of Brendan Fraser, he plays this character named Charlie, who is this morbidly obese professor who is trying to regain a relationship with his daughter. And the, 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 the movie itself, I, I have to say, was a little mixed. I mean, the story was, was, a little, was a little all over the place for me. But at the end of the day, the performance that Frazier gives is bigger than any flaws that I, I may have had with the movie. Because it is a, a hauntingly beautiful performance about someone who is, who is in pain, both, both physical and internal pain, and yet is in a struggle, a struggle not only to sort of maintain, uh, you know, gain control of their obesity, but also to gain control of their life and gain control of, of who they are as a person. It, it, it really, it, it, it touched me. It was, it was a riveting performance and it, and it, it moved me to tears. It really did. So I, I would be fine if he won because I think it is a a perfect film for him and it's also a, a great comeback for an actor that, that frankly has always put his best foot forward uh, but hasn't always been uh, uh, kind of rewarded with, if you will, with the uh, with the spotlight. Uh, he he certainly has has paid his dues, if you will, and you know not that that is everything, not that it should be everything, but when you you know sort of look at the uh, the you know sort of the length of Brendan Fraser's career and and many of the the struggles and pitfalls that he's he's had, this performance really is a is is a cumulation of all of his years of working on on his craft and ultimately delivering a performance that I think he will be remembered for uh, for the rest of uh, his career, certainly. But uh, a- at the end of it, my, uh, my, my favorite, my, my preference uh, still would be for Austin Butler. Uh, his, his role as Elvis is, is unbelievable. It, it, I mentioned it earlier when I reviewed Elvis back last year that it reminded me of Daniel Day-Lewis's performance of Abraham Lincoln in Steven Spielberg's 2012 film, Lincoln, in that while none of us, you know, many, many of us, okay, right, you know, uh, living today, you know, may not have actually seen Elvis while he was alive or, or, or only have memory of him from, from what we see in movies or, or in, in performances. The same with Abraham Lincoln. We sort of know this figure, if you will, through through books or through through movies, through reenactments. And yet, in the case of, of Daniel Day-Lewis and in the case of Austin Butler, I felt like I was watching the real person. I felt like I was watching not somebody play Elvis, but somebody actually be Elvis. And again, we all have seen bad over-the-top Elvis perform- or impersonations. Austin Butler never does that. He, he embodies the spirit, body, mind, and soul of, of Elvis Presley. And 
delivers a performance that is not only a tribute to him, but as I said, it really is an embodiment. You feel like you're watching Elvis up there on the stage. You feel like you're watching Elvis in his private moments. It's a transformative performance. It's a career-making, perhaps career-defining performance. Uh, it, it really just shows the, the real depth and, and, and breadth of his talent. And uh, I, I, would certainly, uh, I, I would certainly be pleased if, if Austin Butler won the award this weekend. So he is, uh, he is my choice for, uh, for best actor. But, but again, I can't say enough good things about Brendan Fraser. And, and if you haven't seen either film, Elvis or The Whale, highly recommend them because they, they really are just spectacular films. And, and for the performances alone, they're, they're just magnificent movie she's just there for so that now brings me to the best actress race and and that is a a, a situation where i don't have a second uh, choice i don't have a, a a second option it's michelle yo all the way she is phenomenal in the movie everything everywhere all at once and i've only talked about this this movie once on an episode back middle middle to end of last year and i i'm planning on doing a full review of this movie in the coming weeks because i i think it really warrants a full discussion uh and and analysis because on top of this being the the the, the little engine that could i mean a movie that that just took everybody by storm truly the underdog and yet here it is, the, the front runner to win Best Picture. It is a movie that lives up to the hype. And I know in today's world, hype can sometimes dampen a, a movie or an experience. No, with this film, the hype is real and it exceeds all expectations going into it. And in part of it is because of Michelle Yeoh's incredible and, and heartwarming performance as the character of Evelyn. I, I could do a whole show dedicated to Michelle Yeoh and her career and, and what a wonderful journey she has been on up to the point of everything, everywhere, all at once and, and after everything, everywhere, all at once. But getting back to her performance, because obviously that is the that is the, the main event for this week in the nomination it is a performance that has a realism to it that cannot be ignored we all have met or or known people like evelyn either in our lives or passing through our lives she feels like someone that we have we've encountered i certainly feel like i have met someone like Evelyn, someone who is just trying to get through the day-to-day -day rigors of life, trying to, in the case of the movie, undergo the the stresses of a tax audit, trying to reach some kind of reconciliation with her daughter through a, a strange relationship, it, it just you know, contemplating her own her own existence, her own her own meaning, her own purpose in the world. It, it's. It's so real and it's so beautiful. And it's, again, the movie itself is, is fantastical and over the top at points. And, and 
truly a, a ride that, that is everything. It crosses all genres. But yet, Michelle Yeoh's performance is what grounds the film, and I think what really elevates it into something Oscar-worthy, if you will, something that is in the conversation of, of discussion. Her performance is, is, is unforgettable. It, it, is, it is real, and it is true, and it, it is a career-defining one. And, and I would be so delighted if she were to win, because just for, for what the character represents and the truth that she brings to it, uh, I think it's something worth celebrating, because someone like Evelyn is not out to make waves. She's just trying to, to, to live a normal and happy life with uh, you know, at peace with herself, but also with her family, and and that's a that's a beautiful message, and that's a beautiful theme, and I would just be delighted to see it uh, to see it rewarded uh, this weekend. And continuing with the, with the theme of of everything, everywhere, all at once. There's a there truly is a method to my madness with this with this point. I kind of wanted to get a little pre uh, pre everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, pitch in before uh, before the Oscars, but in the case of, of best supporting actor, this is another category. A lot of great performances in this uh, in this uh, category this year. Um, there's a, a Barry Kogan's uh, in the the Banshees of Air Sharon. Another one that that is sort of just beautiful and and, and grounded in realism, and yet just sweet and and funny. I'd be delighted if he won, but uh, again, kind of continuing with my uh, with my theme, uh, I, I'm really pulling for Ki Kui Kwan. And, and in the movie, he plays Evelyn's husband, Waymond. And again, just a a a, a role that enhances the story, because as I said, this movie really is about everything to uh, to not put too fine a point on it but it kind of tackles with the themes of life and, and regret and dreams and family and ambition and and sort of possibilities and what ifs and his character is is so is so perfect he, he's he's this voice and yet he he doesn't he, you know he doesn't go out of his way to, to be an annoyance, he doesn't go out of go out of his way to cause trouble. He he's again much much like his his wife in the movie. He's trying to go about his his business. He's trying to to keep his family together. He's just trying to get through the day and and has sort of a happy warrior spirit about him. And I, I think I've mentioned it early on, but there's there's a scene in the movie where. Um, where, where, where Evelyn and, and, and Wayman cross paths in, in one of the one of the one of the futures or, or one of the, uh, uh, the the multiverses, if you will, uh, where their characters are not married and, and living separate lives and doing different things, but yet they are are drawn together and ultimately interact and, and realize their shared history across time and space. And the line from Wayman that I think really just just sells it. He says, I would have been very happy just doing our taxes and owning a, a laundry, a laundry machine, uh, a laundry mat, 
uh, with you. And, you know, that would have been enough. I mean, again, I'm paraphrasing it, but again, that's that's the message that that would have been enough. And and that speaks to the character, and and he he brings it with with such sincerity and such heart that you, you know you're rooting for him. And and I think a lot of it also helps because the actor himself, you know, he's had. Um, you know his own his own struggles and his own you know kind of you know uh, determination to to make it in in the in the field and try to to be taken seriously as an actor. I mean, he started out as, as short round in in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Uh, Doom. He was in the Goonies. I mean, and yet he, he sort of you know disappeared from from the zeitgeist. And and this movie, much in the same way uh, with Michelle Yeoh, really gave gave them a second chance, gave them a, an, another opportunity to, to really show their acting chops and, and to, to let their, their skills shine. And, and damn it, have they shined in this movie. So, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, Barry Keoghan would be uh, a, a worthy recipient, and, and he's had his own remarkable journey as well. Uh, but, but I think uh, uh, Kihi Kwan would just... Uh, would just be perfection, uh, and and really would just enhance this uh, this this film and and this journey that they all have been on, and so that kind of brings me you know to the last category that I want to to mention, and you know it, it pretty much with the exception now of of, of Elvis, it, it's a it's a it's a run for everywhere everywhere all at once uh, at least in my book, and in the case of best supporting actress. Uh, Everyone knows who listens to the show. I'm a a big fan of of Jamie Lee Curtis. My uh, uh, she she is my girl. She she will always be Laurie Strode. Uh, but she is in this movie and she plays this character Deidre, who is uh, an auditor. And she, she, again, talk about transforming into the role. She takes a character that otherwise could be forgettable uh, in a movie like this and yet gives her a personality and and grounds her in a reality and again it's it's we're invested in her story even though she's not a main focus you are you're invested in this character because Jamie Lee Curtis has made her believable and made her made her real and and you know she has made mention that you know there's all the you know people like Deidre out there. These you know people who we might view oh the auditor at the IRS or someone oh God they're mean and terrifying and yet we don't know what their struggles are. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors and and there's just sort of a an interesting vantage point uh, that 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 Jamie Lee Curtis brings to the character and I mean on top of that I mean this is you know I'm, I'm really letting my my bias show but but I mean Jamie Lee Curtis has been a phenomenal cheerleader for not only this movie and and for the directors but 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 for Michelle Yeoh and really just just pushing this film and I, I mean again it's just a fan of of her and and her work and her career I I'd love to see her uh win the role but but you know even if I didn't have this uh uh you know affection for her and and all the roles she's played specifically Laurie Strode in in all the Halloween films this role this character of Deidre 
she is she's really incredible. I mean, I have seen people dress up as her for in costume. So there's definitely been an impact uh, on the on the zeitgeist, and and that's a that's a prop to uh, to Jamie Lee Curtis right there. So just to uh, just to reiterate in the uh, the final few moments uh, for me, uh, you know, again, I don't get uh, you know too uh, too uh, you know worked up though. I you know probably have just shown that I probably care you know a little too much, but uh, you know going into this weekend, I I would be thrilled to see everything everywhere all at once take home take on the top prize because it really is i think the, the the best film of last year especially the story of, of how the film was made and, and the the journey it was to 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 get the story realized and then the fact that the film took off and has been this this huge success and, and a movie that nobody thought would, would, would make any money or receive any recognition. And yet here it is uh, potentially on the cusp of winning best, best picture of the year, along with other accolades for directing and acting and best supporting actor and best uh, supporting actress. But it's a phenomenal film and I will do a, a, a special episode on it uh, soon, but I, I highly recommend it because it is a movie that, the best way I can describe it, it is a movie about everything. It crosses genre, but at its core, it is about family and it is about life. And, and that right there, you know, kind of to, to bookend today's uh, today's topic. That's the beauty of cinema. That's the beauty of movies. You can have on one hand a film like Cocaine Bear, which is wild and funny and entertaining, and yet on the other hand you can have a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once that has a beautiful story, a beautiful message, and yet can also be entertaining and and check all of the the boxes, if you will, for what a good movie needs in order to be fulfilling for an audience. So I mean, damn it, what what a great time for movies, what a great time for cinema. All of it for the love of movies, as I have said time and time again, and that is what this show is all about. It's for the love of movies, as you can see just with these uh, with these points made here today. So with that, I will sign off for today's show. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back next week, and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies.